Hey everybody, welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you love. And today is a special kind of interview because as we record this, it is early April and personally, I'm stuck in Mexico because there are no flights returning home. And on the phone with me today, I have Justin Jackson. Justin's an old friend of the show. And uh, Justin, you reached out because you felt like there are some things we should talk about. On this show so far, we've just been like airing interviews that I've had in the can. We haven't done anything super live recently, but we've all been trapped indoors for at least a few weeks now, I think. And this is uh, a really scary time for a lot of people, especially people who are self-employed, people who work for small businesses. And I know that Mm. you've got a lot to get off your chest today. So say hello. (laughs) Welcome. Oh, man. Yeah. Can we just start by saying coronavirus sucks? It does suck. (laughs) It just sucks. I think we could all agree that this is not uh, a great time. You know, there, there are people getting sick and dying. That's stressful enough. Um, and then you have the other kind of major collateral damage here is the economy. Most of the world's economy, we've never done this before. Most of the world's economy has really slowed down. Some people say, you know, it stopped. It hasn't stopped completely, but it has really slowed down. Uh, what, what's it like in Mexico, actually? Is it, are restaurants and cafes and stuff still open? Yeah, things here were maybe a week or two delayed versus what we were seeing from friends back home in the States, but they did eventually close down schools. They closed down non-essential businesses and restaurants are all closed. And the big thing here is they essentially canceled the biggest holiday of the year, which is Semana Santa, the Easter holiday, which is typically starting this week and they've closed, wow. they closed the beaches. So basically they're just trying to get people not to travel, not to leave their homes. So yeah, we're in a very similar situation here, even though the numbers in terms of what the virus is doing here haven't caught up yet to some of the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've even found now I could be unusual here, but I think actually because I'm in the podcast hosting business, I, I see some of the trends on the back 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 end on the backside yeah um that you know a lot of the podcasts i've been listening to that were recorded before this whole pandemic i've found personally difficult to listen to because it's just like no like right now we're in the middle of this thing and one of the reasons i wanted to get on the phone with you is because you know whenever we've chatted we've i think we've been able to get pretty real and i just feel like wow this is not normal right like we're in a very abnormal time and i think for for folks to hear how real people are processing this and thinking about how it's going to affect your business and maybe even you know what you should be doing now that's within your control as you move forward and um, I've got a few ideas on that, but um, I, I think to start, I just want to say like, this is such an unusual time and it's really difficult. My, my Twitter stream is full of people losing their jobs. Yeah. My locally, uh, 
you know, all my friends, I have a friend who runs a coffee shop. I have friends who run restaurants. They've been absolutely decimated by this. And it was, it happened early there because they noticed it right away. And I, the, the, the one thing that keeps resonating in my head is this one gal, Kelly. She owns a restaurant here in Vernon called Midtown Bistro. And she said on Facebook, she said, you know, we used to joke that our industry was one bad week away from being, you know, going out of business. Yeah. And she kind of laughs to herself and says, it was four days. Yeah, it was even less it than just a took, week. Yeah. And this was back in early March. And so the, you know, initially in March, I think I was just overcome uh, kind of a just heartbreak just to see the first order effects of this hitting people I really care about. And, and it, it yeah, it, it was just interesting how fragile uh, our economy is yeah, es- and our society. Especially, especially, you know, the, the half of people or more that, that I've heard live basically paycheck to paycheck and, and mm-hmm. small business owners, a lot of them live payroll to payroll, basically, right? Your the revenue you earn during a payroll period is what you're paying out at the end. And there's not a lot of give and take there. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm really nervous for all of those small business owners. It sounds like you've already talked with some of them. And I've heard some of the stories, you know, reading reports of stuff that's going back home in Portland. But mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people have truly realized how much grief we're all going to have to go through when we're allowed to go back outside and we recognize mm-hmm. that all of these places that we used to love, restaurants, bars, mm-hmm. you know, nail salons, hair salons, all that kind of stuff, so many of them are going to be gone. And mm-hmm. all of those warm relationships and conversations that you had are just not going to be there anymore. It's, it's going to be yeah. a really, really strange reemergence, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and heartbreaking. It really is. I I think it's exposed, you know, we live in the online world, you and I, and actually to, to be honest, I think living in the online world has been helpful for me Mm -hmm. because I have Slack groups. I'm used to like, you know, every couple of weeks I do a call with Paul Jarvis and, and Jared Drysdale. We've been doing that forever. We have this kind of built in resilience to (laughs) being inside. But on the other hand, I've invested so much of my life in my local community, and I think that's healthy. I've been, I, you know, I, I've been living my life like we need both. And seeing how this hit my local community first, and I mean, towns like Portland, Austin, you know, towns that kind of live on the service business, uh, the service industry. This is just devastating for them. And, and, you know, both the Canadian government and the U.S. government are, are there is help there from the government, but it definitely, for a lot of my restaurant friends, it came like too little too late. And yeah, that, that's hard. And, and I, I think there are going to be, I imagine, multiple waves of people losing their jobs. You know, you mentioned your Twitter mm-hmm. stream being full of people talking about it. So first we had the restaurants and the in-person businesses and those went out in the first week or so. And, and mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see how many of them make it back. 
But yeah. um, I think the first few weeks of this shutdown really kind of illuminated the class divide in this country mm-hmm. because suddenly a lot of people were laid off in the service industry, but the white collar friends who are normally going into cubicles or working online or whatever are still um, doing their thing at home. They've got their kids running around, but otherwise they're working like they normally would be. Mm -hmm. There are signs of that now changing. I don't know if you've had these conversations, but some of my friends who have these, you know, long careers in retail or whatever, but work in headquarters now are starting to be furloughed or having to lay off parts of their team. And so it's, it's moving its way up the chain, I guess. Yeah. 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 It, it, and I think that the hardest part about this is this is unprecedented. So I've lived through, I I was born in 1980 and I've lived through a few recessions. Um, and some of these were like local related to oil because I grew up in Alberta. But this is way different. This is not like uh, the price of oil goes down and that's it. Like the price of oil is down. Uh, this is like affecting every single industry. And uh, I do think there's hope. And I think we should talk about that in a bit. But I do also think it's helpful to recognize that this is a this is a very uh concerning situation. I don't think it's helpful for anyone to panic. But uh, I've been hearing people a lot of people say that <laughs> don't panic. Don't panic, right? The, the other the, the other part of me goes, "Okay, but this is this is really well and concerning. and there's there's panic on on two sides, right? You've got the health panic and then you've mm-hmm. got the the economic, you know, livelihood panic. And yes, you can. And you also have the stress. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever spent uh, weeks at a time with four kids inside your house, but wow. No, I, I can't say I've made it more than a couple <laughs> of hours, maybe through a dinner party. Just imagine multiplying that dinner party by whatever, like a hundred or 200. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How is, how is that going? I know uh, um, the topic of conversation with my friends who have kids and are, are trying to work at home, uh, just being trapped inside and trying to have some semblance of like normalcy and, and like getting your kids to actually do schoolwork. Yeah. And know that yeah. you need some time to get your work done. Yeah. It's, it's very, very tricky there's benefits too we uh, we've been a little bit more relaxed we've just said you know the teen the the kids screen time usage is gonna go way up right and uh are are we do we really think that we're gonna just automatically like quickly replace all of the things our teachers were doing these professionals who have worked <laughs> We don't just have to whip structure. up some lesson plans and yeah, yeah, just like there's no way we're gonna do that. So we've been we've been more um, calm about it, and I think I mean there's still a moment like the other day I tried to put together some lesson stuff for the kids, and then I looked at the clock and it was 11 a.m. and I'm like it's 11 a.m. and all I've been doing all I did was get them logged into Google Classroom and all that, you know, it, it <laughs> you've become like the IT guy at your, at, in your household now. Yeah. Yeah. Partly. And yeah. How so, do you, how do you, do you have enough devices for all your kids? Yeah. I mean, that's one 
that's we are very fortunate in in so many ways um you know right now transistor uh the business i started with john buddha is doing well and uh we growth has slowed down a little bit but we're still getting paid regularly it's not that hard for me to work from home and move everything into the basement it's cold down here but other than that it's fine um and you know the kids are older and so my youngest is 10 and my oldest is in grade 12 and so she's right next door right there she's in a class right now you know doing her stuff so i think we've been really fortunate but as i've thought through this i've been thinking about okay what should i how should i be thinking right now and what should my friends who are in businesses be thinking about? And I think one thing that's difficult, and it'll be interesting to get your take on this. One thing that's difficult is part of the answer to like what you should do in a crisis is you should spend 10 years getting prepared. <laughs> and I've struggled with that. Um, Partly because, personally, I just got out of a crisis. I was really um, off, the, off the grid. I was very depressed, 2016, 2017. And I spent all of my savings kind of being depressed. <laughs> and then I got out of that, started Transistor in 2018, and now things are going well. But having gone through that experience and knowing like you said, how many people are paycheck to paycheck already? That's hard advice to hear when you're in the middle of it. And so I think as I'm thinking about the advice to give to people, it really has two parts. One is what should you be thinking about now to get yourself through the crisis? And then what should you be doing to prepare for the next one that might happen in five, 10 years? Yeah. That that is that is really tough to hit for some people mm -hmm. right now. I think if if you're a little bit older and you've been through these, this you know, in mm -hmm. in my working life, this is the third major recession, right? In the past twenty years, essentially, we had mm -hmm. the dot com boom, two thousand eight financial crisis, and now this. And and for me personally, I know that really interesting, amazing things have grown out of each of those or at least the yep. first two, and I'm expecting that something will come of this. Um, but you do start to get that perspective um, like a squirrel has innately that, okay, you know, winter might be coming and I better start burying these nuts everywhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that yeah. you, you find yourself in a perfect position, but it, it really does test out your safety net and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's, why don't we start by talking about things people should be doing now? Because <laughs> I, I think if you, there are folks that are really struggling, and uh, again, I'll, I'll give even more feedback. So 2016, 2017, I, it was bad, and I liquidated everything. I was basically down to rock bottom for financially and emotionally and everything. Uh, and then you back up even before that, in my early 20s, I started a snowboard shop with some friends. And I was still working full time, but I invested everything I had at the time into the shop. And it uh, also closed down. 
and ended up costing me at the time about $80,000, which was meant all of my savings, all of my investments. And um, I had to put a second mortgage on my house. And so I, 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 I want to whoever is in a bad situation right now, I do want to say I, I, I might not be exactly where you were. And certainly I had tons of privilege in the midst of all that. But I do understand that, that feeling of being in crisis. And uh, I think there are some things people can keep in mind uh, moving forward. And I'd, I'd, be, I'd be super interested in hearing what you have to say too. Uh, I think the, the, the first bit of advice I would give folks is you really do need to focus on what you can control. And so for me, one of the things I knew I could control is I could go for a walk every morning. And again, this is going to sound so stupid, but because there was definitely times when I was panicking where I'm like, what good is it going to be to go for a walk in the morning? But it's one thing I could control. It gave me some regularity to my life. And it was also good for me. <laughs> you know, you, you get out and you walk, you're getting some exercise. Um, is there one that you can think of off the top of your head? I got a few more, but yeah, well, wanna... um, you know, my, my wife and I have settled into a, a pretty strict morning routine and that involves either a walk or a jog right mm-hmm. when we wake up. Uh, then it, we meditate together for 10 or 15 minutes or so. Oh, wow. And, um, then I make coffee and then I settle into work and that, that, you know, initial part is a good hour, hour and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, we haven't deviated from that. In fact, to some degree, we've embraced it more recently because there's just so little to do. You know, it's mm-hmm. not as if you're going out and, and hanging out with people and so on. Um, mm-hmm. And so the days can feel really long right now, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're glued to news all day and hanging yeah. on every twist and turn in this story. So um, I, I totally agree with that. And, and uh, I had my own a uh, bit of uh, mental health breakdown over the past year or so unrelated to this coronavirus. And you mm-hmm. just really learn in times of crisis how important it is to have some touchstones of normalcy every day yeah, and just to keep yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And I'll add another one to that that was helpful that I don't think people talk about enough, which is, uh, so I went to therapy and then my, I've told this story before, but I went to therapy. And the first thing my therapist told me to do was go see my doctor, my family doctor. And I said, why? And she said, just go see your doctor. So I went and saw my doctor. And my doctor says, you know, I went to my doctor and I said, well, I don't know why I'm here. My therapist told me to come here. I'm depressed and told her what was going on in my life. And she said, okay, I'm glad you came in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a prescription. I'm like, oh, yeah, thank God. And she said, your prescription is I want you to quit drinking alcohol. And I want you to quit uh, any cannabis, any uh, other kind of drugs. And I want you to double the amount of exercise you're doing. And I had, <laughs> I had slipped into um, a habit of putting my kids to bed. And then every time after I put my kids to bed, I would have a couple shots of whiskey every night. And that pattern. Uh, especially when things aren't going well, for a lot of people, alcohol is a depressant. Uh, that pattern exacerbated my 
depression. Mm -hmm. And I really did not want to give that up because it was it was a habit that I had that I that felt like it was a, a release valve for the stuff in my life. But and it, it was difficult. I remember quitting and it was like not easy. And the results didn't come right away. But after a month or two, I everything started to clear up and I'm like, oh wow. Like not <laughs> drinking booze every day uh in a regular way and then drinking a ton of you know, drinking a ton on the weekends. Taking that out of my life was actually very healthy. And uh, I think we've got to be careful about the vices we've got right now. I don't know about you. I'm eating so many snacks right, <laughs> right now, like a ton. And for us to just be cognizant of, you know, that kind of stuff, and specifically with drugs and booze, I think uh, it can be healthy for people to set that aside in times of crisis. Because you kind of need your whole self. And, uh, you know, if you're high all the time or you're constantly drinking and then recovering from drinking, it can be hard to bring your best self to the table when you really need to kind of, you know, act. Yeah. And, uh, of course you've seen the posts on Instagram or whatever, the quarantinis people are like, you know, drinking mm. quite a bit during these times. I admit I've yeah. been drinking a decent amount <laughs> these times. Um, but, uh, I think you're right when, especially if you find yourself getting into these looping negative thought patterns about mm -hmm. doom and gloom, and you start to feel like the booze is the only thing that makes you feel normal for a few hours before you pass out to bed mm -hmm. every night, that, mm -hmm. that definitely can become a, a negative downward spiral. Yeah. So, uh, so and, we, we talked about having some sort of morning routine, touchstone, mm -hmm. something that you can control that's good for you. We yeah. talked about watching your vices and things that are bad for you that you're clinging to mm -hmm. so far. Yeah. I think the other thing I would be doing is there's a tendency, especially in America, to become very individualistic here. Mm -hmm. So to say, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. That's all I care about. And what actually helps, I think, is reaching out to other people. So if you just lost your job, I would text a bunch of people and tell them what's going on in your life. Hey, Janet. Hey, John. Hey, whoever. Just wanted to let you know, I just lost my job. Here's how I'm feeling about it. Um, you know, if, if you know of someone that can help me, let me know. But to be open and vulnerable with the people around us is actually really important. And you're not going, feeling like you're just going to hold it together, like you're going to button up your shirt and pretend to be, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Keep it all together in these times is not actually helpful. Yeah. What's helpful is to reach out to people you trust. And these could be real life friends. Uh, I actually think online communities like Fizzle, uh, can be very helpful in these times because it's a private community where you can feel safe and write something, get it off your chest. Like, okay, everybody, I just lost 30% of my business overnight. I don't know what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm thinking. Just sharing it with other people 
has all sorts of benefits. One, it's helpful for you psychologically. Two, you're engaging a network of people that might be able to help you. And uh, I think those of us that are doing okay right now should also be prepared for a wave of these. It's going to feel like too much for a while. It's going to feel like everybody's losing their job. Everybody needs help. Every restaurant needs me to buy some gift certificates. But as much as we can, I think we need to embrace folks that are reaching out for help or at least sharing what's going on in their lives. And to listen to them, that's the most important thing. Uh, there's a tweet that I'll send, Corbett, for the show notes. And this this uh, I think she's a counselor or a psychologist, and she says, uh, magic therapy phrases that are useful for every conversation. This is Dr. Emily Anhalt. Can you say more about that? I think what I'm hearing is, does that resonate with you? I imagine you might be feeling, <laughs> she has one that's just long pause to make space for more, mm -hmm. and you're not alone in this. And you know, for a while, my friends who own restaurants and cafes and things were texting me. And my immediate response was to buy something from them. Not because I think that me buying something from them is going to make any sort of difference in, their, in the big scheme of things, but just because people need encouragement right now. So there's kind of two sides of this. If you are suffering, you need to reach out to people. And if you are doing fairly well right now, now's the time to, within reason, don't overburden yourself, but within reason, to encourage people as much as you can, listen as much as you can, and if you can help, um, help as much as you can. And I think this is what's been actually helpful for me in this whole crisis, thinking, what can I do? I'm just a jackass, you know, up in Canada. What, how can, what can I do? And What's engaged me is to think, okay, well, I'm just going to help where I can. I'm going to help that restaurant set up online ordering on their store uh, for free. I'm going to help this person figure out their DNS settings on their, on their domain. I'm going to, um, you know, uh, Andy, one of the founders of XOXO, reached out and said he was starting a Patreon. And so helping people where you can. and. Uh, that's been very, that's been good for me in the crisis because I know I'm not an, a scientist or an epidemiologist. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a first line responder. I don't even work at Safeway, you know, like right. all those people that are putting their lives on the line, but I can help people where I can. And I'm also prepared for there to be a wave of this. And at times, you know, I think I'll feel overwhelmed, but that has been helpful for me. You know, it, you're, you're absolutely right as well. I think there are people on both sides of this coin. There are those of us who are doing fine. Mm -hmm. And then there are the tens of millions likely of people who will be out of work. And it's easy to feel like this is a health crisis, which obviously it is. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the numbers, you'll see that 
orders of magnitude more people are going to experience financial crises out of this yeah. than are going to experience a health crisis. And mm-hmm. so those of us who have some useful business skills or maybe have the flexibility to be hiring people for other sorts of jobs, mm-hmm. now is probably a great time to be doing that, to do your part to just keep the economy moving. Yeah. And I also understand, you know, there's a, there's some folks on Transistor that are doing a podcast for local businesses. And it was interesting listening to them because week one of the crisis, they were like, the same as me. They're like, oh, we're going to help these restaurants. We're buying gift certificates. And then week two, they both lost their jobs. And all of a sudden they were in that camp. And so I, I understand <laughs> there may, as this rolls in, you know, our individual abilities to help might change. And, but while you can, it, you know, you should help. And the, the, the main point is we cannot get insular here. We have to collaborate, coordinate. We have to reach out to people. We, we have to stay, um, community is going to be so important, both online community and offline community. And to have safe places online that you can go to with people who understand you is going to be so key. My friend Andrew, who runs uh, Ratio Coffee, they just started a Facebook group just for all the local restaurants. And he said it saved his life. Like he says, being a part of that group has like he cries because they, they're all in it together. They're all having a hard time, but they're together and it's been helpful for them. Uh, you know, for me, finding myself in a financial crisis, which has happened a few times, especially mm-hmm. related to entrepreneurship. Um, but even before that, I found myself in financial hot water because I lost a job, right? Or because mm-hmm. bec- actually during the dot-com crash, which is dating me, uh, obviously, but I was working. I was early in my career, early 20s and um, found myself furloughed, which meant I was getting a tiny stipend to hopefully come back once the crisis was over, but it wasn't enough to live on. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I experienced financial stress and understood um, how powerful it is. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you always hear about how, you know, money leads to divorce and and all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize personally how it would impact me. And I remember that I became super obsessive about my situation. Um, I felt like if I sat in front of my laptop every day for enough hours, I would figure myself a way out of it, even Mm -hmm. though there was nothing I could realistically do. Um, Mm -hmm. And the thing that that I finally realized and that I've come back to whenever I realize, whenever I feel myself in that situation, that financial stress, and can finally think clearly enough to start looking for solutions. The thing that I start with that always helps is to stop ignoring the bad news and stop burying whatever financial situation you have going on. And instead Mm. just get your house in order and figure out what all the numbers are. Okay. How bad Mm. is this thing really? How much debt do I have? How much are my monthly expenses? What's the difference between my expenses and what I've got or my expenses and my savings? And just to have an actual clear picture of what's going on, because I think um, for me anyway, 
the not knowing part makes everything worse. It amplifies mm-hmm. it. Yes, the situation is bad, but when the situation is bad and you don't exactly know how bad it is, um, I think that denial can just lead me at least into this massive spiral. Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that. That is such good advice. That the thoughts in your head will drive you crazy, and uh, having like when it's just this amorphous is that a word this mm-hmm. amorphous like threat in your head but it's not quantified that really does yeah the cognitive load of that will destroy you but yeah getting writing things down and going okay my mortgage is 1500 and then food is this right now but maybe we could scale that back like you just start writing all that stuff down and often when you make a list and it doesn't even have to be a financial list. It could just be, okay, I'm just going to write down everything that's stressing me out right now. And you just like write it out on paper, having it in front of you and being able to see it and go, okay, well, there's 20 items on there. That's, that's 20 items. Can I think of anything else? Like, and once you have it in front of you, it instantly becomes less stressful. And yeah, I found that very helpful. There, there's that. I think we've talked about this too, but this is a, a, a truism now, you know, uh, whatever it is, like hard conversations, easy life, easy conversations, hard life, or hard decisions now, easy life in the future. If you just keep making easy decisions now, you're going to have a harder life in the future. And now is the time to be making hard decisions, but you can't do that until you've actually got the information of, of okay, where am I at? And then you can go, okay, well, I'm going to call the bank and see what they can do. I'm going to see what government programs there are for rent help or mortgage help. I'm going to uh, contact my parents and see if they can extend me a line of credit or something. There's things you can do, but until you have it written out, it's going to be tricky. So yeah, I think that's such good advice. Yeah. And, and I would, uh, advise anybody to lean on all of those things that are available to them right now. Um, Mm -hmm. You can find out pretty quickly whether you're in the U.S. or Canada, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure in in other, at least other English-speaking countries, there are programs out there to help you with deferring your mortgage payments or your rent payments. Um, For small businesses, there are a couple of programs in the U.S., I know in Canada, I heard uh, some provinces are offering everyone like a monthly stipend for a few months, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, there's some good guides on this that I've found for the U.S. and Canada. I'll, I'll send those to Corbett for the show notes because uh, the, the U.S. one, especially for business, is a bit <laughs> difficult to read. Um, yeah. There's some folks that have gone through it and, and have... Uh, you know, helped figure out what, what people should be thinking about there. Yeah. There are two programs in the U S in, if, if you happen to be a, um, either a gusto customer, gusto is a pay, payroll processor that, um, sometimes sponsors the fizzle show. Um, or if you're a QuickBooks customer, I believe QuickBooks has sent out some information as well. Uh, there's the, the paycheck protection program in the U S and then there's mm-hmm. these emergency disaster loans. Yes. And um, both of them have fairly simple initial application requirements. But um, unfortunately, 
I have yet to hear of a single person getting funds from either of those programs, even though they've dedicated billions of dollars to it. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's some chatter on Twitter about people being somewhat angry, especially after they've promised, like, you'll get funds in three days. Um, yeah. But I guess it's understandable that with hundreds of thousands of applications, it's going to set them back a little bit, being able to honor those commitments. Mm-hmm. I, the other thing that has been helpful for me in these times, and maybe this doesn't work for everybody, but to actually sit down and also write, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, what's the absolute worst thing that could happen? It's like, okay, the worst thing that could happen is I can't pay my mortgage. It gets like, I, I miss a payment. And it's like, okay, well, what would happen after that? Well, I'm sure a lot of people are missing their payments right now. Like they're maybe the, you know, maybe the banks are overwhelmed too and they can't deal with it right away. Or maybe I can just pay a little bit and, you know, that'll be enough for now. Or like there's, or maybe I get evicted. Like maybe that's the worst thing. Okay. What would happen if I got evicted? Well, my parents still have a basement. I guess we could go live there, right? Like my, my parents have that cottage over at the lake. Maybe we could go live there. There. When, when you can start to say, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? Sometimes that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it would suck to go live in my parents' basement uh, for a while. But that's, you know, in the big scheme of things, it's like, that, okay, it, that'll be fine. You know, uh, so much of our stress is from this accumulation of like building up all of this uh, stuff that's like, this is how I have to live a good American life, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I have to have a mortgage and I, my kids have to be in private school and we have to eat organic food. We have to have a new car every two years. And- we have to have a car and, you know, I can't just wear the same shoes all the time. I, and there's this machinery that we've been this treadmill we've been running on, right? Just to keep everything going. And to be honest, sometimes it is very, uh, it's just a huge relief to be able to let that go and go, it's okay. Like all of this stuff. And I'm, I don't mean just physical stuff, but just like this ramping up of our lives. Yeah. So that we can live at this level comes with a lot of stress that a lot of us haven't realized we've been living with for a long time. Yeah, and we don't realize what the true cost of of those things are, right? Yeah. And 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 to to go, you know what? It we would be fine. Like we'd be fine if 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 I, you know, if if we lost our house. Oh my god, this house that we've we've been working on forever. Of course that would hurt, but there's just this great, um, sometimes peace that comes from having a willingness to let go. And, uh, and once you're willing to let go, then it's almost like you can see clearly. It's like, okay, let's just imagine the house is gone. What now? Well, we'd still have each other. You know, we'd still be, or if you don't have a family, if you're just a solo person, it's like, oh, well, if I lost my house, then maybe then I could like do this, live like this in a way that I've always wanted to or something, you know? Right, right. There may be other upside that, that this, and, and that's one of the things I think that may come out of this for some people. In, mm-hmm. in my situation, the, the last financial crash in 2008, um, 
led us in the company I was running to have to lay a bunch of people off, a bunch of arguments between my co-founder and I, and mm-hmm. ultimately I decided to leave. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I took this road trip sabbatical to Mexico to save money because it mm-hmm. was so much cheaper to be down here than it was in California. And that led to this entire change in my life, you know, going on like 11 years ago now. Yeah. So I'm sure some similar things will happen to people now because you're forced to think about other options that you wouldn't normally, unless somebody just pulled the rug out from under you. Yes. And not to say that it won't be stressful, but Mm -hmm. in the last crash, um, I had friends who lost their houses because they couldn't pay their mortgage and they had to walk away. And Mm -hmm. it was certainly stressful at the time. uh, But I think looking back on it now, you know, they're all in great shape. They're all doing just fine now, 10 years later. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those stories are important. Because whenever you can see when people made the hard decisions at the time, when they just faced the fear, like you said, like, okay, I'm going to face this. I'm going to write down every single expense, every single bit of revenue I've got. I'm going to face the fear. I'm not going to let it just swirl around in my head. I am going to, ah, here we go. And when you face it and you like do it and then you're like, okay, I'm facing this. It, life does get easier in the future and you can see how, you know, things got better for folks. The, the biggest crises in my life were the result of me making easy decisions, of just sweeping things under the rug or ignoring them, of pushing them off because it was too stressful. Push it off, take a shot of whiskey, right? That's, that's the pattern I was in. And that does not help you in the long run. What helps you is just facing it. Face the fear now and get it over with. And then you can you know, you can, uh, you'll be able to live a better life. I, I want to quickly kind of transition to some, um, some business and financial things that I, I think folks should be thinking about. Are you cool with that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it'd be interesting to, so uh, in the short term, I think we've already talked, like the best thing you can do right now is cut as many expenses as you can. Um, uh, Get everything on paper, how much revenue you have, how many expenses you have. And uh, you, you really do want to make the hard decisions the best you can now. And there is a tension here. The tension is, I don't want to stop paying for some of these services because I want to be a good customer, right? Like, I don't want to signal to these folks that you know, so there's a tension here that I, it's, it's not as easy as people make it sound like. You mean cutting your own expenses? Yeah. Like, and especially since a lot of the, these things I pay for are friends, right? Of course. But you have to put on your own oxygen mask first before Mm -hmm. you can help others. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good point. So do those things, um, reach out to folks, tell them, you know, Here's my situation. And if you are looking for work, say, I am looking for work. Be very clear. Also, have some sort of asset that other people can share. So if you come to me and you say, Justin, I am looking for work. My first question is, okay, thanks for telling me. What can what website or GitHub repo or project have you done that I can share with other people? And if you don't have that, it's going to be very difficult for you to get, uh, take advantage of the network effect of 
you know, somebody is on a <laughs> Zoom call with a bunch of friends and one of their friends says, ah, I really need a designer right now. And for you to be, you know, top of mind and go, oh, you got to go to, you know, whoever, uh, JanetJacobs.com. She's great. Have an asset that people can share. Uh, and you you must be very clear about what you're looking for and what you need. So if you say, you know, I, I need part-time work or I need uh, three more clients, tell people what you need so that they can help you. Uh, do you have any that, thoughts no, on that? that? And that, that's, um, I can't say how many times I hear of someone who, by the way, JanetJacobs.com is a website. Uh, it looks <laughs> like she is a painter. So Okay. Shout out to Janet Jacobs. <laughs> um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard of someone who wants to offer some sort of skills or services, but doesn't have their stuff together. Mm-hmm. You need to have a portfolio, a resume, a website, a GitHub repository, something mm-hmm. that is easily shareable, uh, that demonstrates that you are good. And, and, and realize, I mean, yes, you're putting yourself out there. Yes, you're hoping that you are using your network and that um, a friend or someone you might know is is going to be generous and help you out. But at the same time, there are going to be a lot of people looking for work. So mm-hmm. now's the time. Uh, just like you're getting your financial house in order, get your work house in order, your career house in order, so that you can just hand somebody your calling card and say, this is why you should hire me. Yeah, I've got a great example of this. I'll, I'll give it to you, Corbett, for the show notes. Our friend Jeff at Ugmunk sent out this email with the subject line, full transparency. And in the email, he clearly outlines, here's the situation, and here's what I need from folks. I need, if, if you want to help us out right now and order something on sale, I really need you to do that. And what happened? People responded, right? People appreciated his vulnerability. He clearly articulated, this is what I need from, from folks. And like, this is what I'm looking for. And here are the links for you to do something about it if you want to. Just a, an incredible uh, example of articulating it in the right way, striking the right tone. And not being afraid to be vulnerable. I, mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a lot of um, messages go out people offering sales and discounts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you can sense that maybe behind the scenes, there's a little bit of panic going on, yep. but they're not saying that in the email. And so it just comes off as maybe more opportunistic than necessity. Yeah. 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 Be like, we, we're all getting those emails from like Delta and it, they've become a meme, right? Be open be honest as an independent entrepreneur. Your, your, your greatest advantage is you can be a human being and uh, people will respond. I also want to talk a little bit about the future because uh, like Corbett said, the, these times of recession, now we've never been in a recession like this, but these times of recession are often the kind of incubating grounds for new ideas and new opportunities. It's interesting to start observing, observing, observing the facts. Uh, no, let me redo that. It's interesting to start observing the trends. And I've got a tweet stream on this. Um, current trends, things that are doing well right now. So we've seen 
platforms that allow people to sell things online doing very well. Uh, Podia, Gumroad, Memberful, Memberspace, traditional e-commerce also doing very well. Shopify, Square, Lightspeed. It makes sense, right? In a crisis, everyone's like, I need to get more income right now. And uh, on the flip side of that, the, the, what, what's not concerning, but we, we just know that a lot of folks that are trying to like get something going really quick right now and get on those platforms are going to have a hard time because it, you, you really need to have your momentum before the crisis hits. Um, not saying that you shouldn't, if you are trying to figure something out, you shouldn't try a platform, but it's interesting to see who's doing well right now. The platforms are doing very well right now. Uh, also, uh, things like Patreon. Patreon's a huge uptick in new signups. Uh, Ghost, the... Uh, the blogging platform blogging platform and they've ghost has enabled a lot of membership um features as well and i mean if you have been building up an audience and you haven't launched something for them yet now's not a bad time to do that if you've been using one of these platforms and kind of building up a group of people that you know cares about uh the content you're putting out or whatever it is and you have not yet asked them for something, not a bad time to use one of these platforms uh, and, and do that. Um, Substack is another one. You can start a paid newsletter. Uh, but what's more instructive, I think, for entrepreneurs is to say that the real benefit, the people who are really benefiting right now are the people selling pickaxes to gold miners. And uh, for... The future, I think that's instructive that if you can build, if you have the choice between building a platform and being on the platform, it is better to build the platform. Is that fair, you think, Corbin? <laughs> um, yes, I think on average, that's probably true. The, the, the stars of the platform are always going to do very well. But yes. it's unlikely that that you yourself are going to be a star. Now, building a platform is much easier if you have built an audience. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us start on the platform and then maybe you see some opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. And actually to to share a story about someone who's done a good job building on top of the platform, uh, Adam Wathen and Steve Shoger. Yeah. Um, and some of your audience might not be familiar with them because they're mostly known in the developer community. But they wrote a book called Refactoring UI. It's a book for developers and startups on basically learning good design principles for your web app or whatever. And people have done this before. Uh, Jared Drysdale had bootstrapping design. There's, there's lots of folks who have done this before. But they had this, the perfect mix of having built up an audience in that area for a long time, building up trust. And then they released this book. They worked so hard on it, and um, I think they've been they've been public about this. It's it's made millions of dollars, really. And then when they saw the 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 reaction to that, they started working on UI components. So what were people asking for after reading the book? Oh, it'd be great if I just had a bunch of HTML and CSS, like blocks of HTML and CSS, I could use to build my own websites and UIs. 
And so they launched Tailwind UI. And uh, I think this is also public. That's also over a couple million dollars in sales right now. And of course, that's they are in the top 0.1% probably of creators, but they sell that on Gumroad. And um, you can do it. You, you, you absolutely can do it. Here's the important part. This is going to be so key right now because when the a desperate mind will sometimes grasp for things that aren't rational. Listen very carefully right now. You have to see what the market is already pulling for and then serve that market. The, the problem, the, the thing I see folks doing in times of crisis, and this is me too, <laughs> if you could have seen my list of things to do in a time of crisis, you would see this too, is they go, okay, well, what, what am I good at? What am I good at? I'm good at, I'm good at marketing. So I'm just going to take my marketing and go out and find somebody who needs marketing. And that you're kind of fishing there for like, oh, I just hope somebody around here is going to be looking for this one thing I have to offer. Or they build a product and they're like, okay, I'm just going to go out and find somebody that needs this now. The, the, this is the time to be attentive. This is the time to say, where is the market already pulling for a solution? Where is the market moving right now? What are people spending on money right now? And what will they continue to spend money on for the next six months, the next year, the next 12 months? This is where you should be focused your time on. Don't um, come up with an idea and then chop it around looking for customers. Look at where people are spending money right now. And here's one example. Right now, the top books in Amazon are um, homeschool workbooks for children. That's it's very likely that that will continue to be a trend even after this crisis, actually, because I think a lot of people are just going to end up homeschooling their kids. There's a lot of advantages to this that we haven't talked about. I can see that as an upward trend that's going to continue to develop. That might be if you already have experience in that or you, you know, uh, have been homeschooling your kids for 20 years, that might be something to pay attention to. and offer something with, right? It's still going to be challenging, but at least you are on a rising tide, right? You're, 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 you're paddling out on your surfboard to a wave that looks like it's just developing. I would be focused on, on things like that. Do, do you have anything to add there? Or? I, would, I would just say, um, regardless of a crisis situation, what Justin has just shared is probably the biggest determinant of whether you'll be successful in business or not. You have to find a big bunch of hungry people that have money to spend and are dissatisfied or need something more than is currently being offered. Mm -hmm. And the people who fail at building a business usually are out there with a solution that people aren't looking for. Mm -hmm. And that is a really tough place to put yourself in. And it might cause you to burn years, five or 10 years, just trying to like swim upstream as opposed to finding where the fast moving currents already are. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the places to look for evidence are Slack groups. Um, so if you are a consultant and the, your clients have 
left you in their Slack groups, stay in there. Look for the times they're making purchasing decisions. Hey, uh, can anyone here recommend a good podcasting platform? Hey, uh, anyone in here use, um, you know, this particular uh, software platform for launching this thing? Or has anyone bought this book? Those are the, the, the uh, touchstones that when you start to observe them, if you see a, a repeated pattern of people interested in a particular thing, or here's, a, here's another example. Ah, MailChimp is way too expensive. Anybody have ideas for something that's a little bit cheaper? Not a bad time, actually, to launch a lower-priced competitor. And I know that in, in the software industry especially, there's a lot of uh, dogma around uh, charge more, double your prices, all these things. Uh, I think during a crisis, not a bad time to say, I'm actually a little bit more affordable than MailChimp. I'm a little bit more affordable than that high-priced consultant that you've been using. Uh, this is your time to get in and... Uh, Especially, because better. especially because a lot of times in software, when an industry has been around for so long, or not just in software, in anything now, because technology is eating the world, mm -hmm. technology makes everything cheaper over time. And those established players that set up their entire infrastructure 10 years ago probably can't make the same profit margins that you can, even mm -hmm. if you're charging less. Yeah. Yeah. You have so many advantages. Uh, you know, our closest competitor, uh, for Transistor, I'm guessing they have hundreds of employees. They, they may not even have thousands. I don't know. Um, let's see if I can look it up quick. The And Transistor is two people, and John and I, and then two contractors, Helen and Chris. That's it. And so for, again, we don't know what's going to happen. We might get completely <laughs> decimated in the next wave of this. But for now, our burn rate is low. And so one of, you know, one of the things in business that people don't talk about is one of the ways to succeed in business is just to last longer than your competitors. And if your costs are low compared to, let's say you're going to go up against MailChimp. If your costs are low compared to MailChimp, you've got a good chance of surviving if you could execute on those other things. And um, it's actually gotten easier for small teams of people to compete with the, the, the big dogs. Anything else on that? No. Um, yeah, so I think I've I talked a little bit about trends. Uh, another trend I think we're going to see is community platforms. We're going to see an uptick. So if you, uh, I know you've got a community platform, I would be thinking about how you can... Um, put that in front of people and uh, motivate people that might be on the edge to, hey, you, you've had a newsletter forever and now people, now's a great time to start a private community because people are looking for it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, people are just uh, spending so much time and being exposed to so many tools right now. Imagine how many people are doing a Zoom call for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, or experiencing a private community or, or spending more time on Slack or some sort of forums or something. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's all going to stick, you know, yeah. once people get a taste for how useful these things can be. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So now is the time that the, the one thing to think about is what are people searching for on Google right now? And there's a few newsletters um, 
that you can subscribe to about this. Um, so Axios Media Trends is one. And then there's, uh, sorry, Corbett, you're going to have Exploding Topics uh, is another one that you can subscribe to. And it basically just says, here's the trends we're seeing, like Exploding Topics is just what trends are we seeing from Google uh, Insights? Is that right? Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Yes. And so, or Google Trends, right? Yeah, Google Trends, sorry. Yeah. And they, they, they will... Uh, They'll just highlight some of these. Now, what's instructive about it isn't necessarily that you might go after, for example, uh, uh, CBD pillow is a is a, a trend right now. Well, I when I read that, I'm not necessarily going to go after go and start a CBD pillow company. But what's instructive about it is to think, oh, interesting. Why is that on the uptick right now? And what kinds of other things? Are people maybe doing right now and will be doing for the next three, six, 12 months that maybe I can't, I do have something to bring to the table there, right? Uh, ear seeds is another one. Ear seeds. Uh, ear seeds are the latest. That makes me think of that, that Star Trek where they put those things in the guy's ear. Yeah. No, these are, the seeds are gold or crystal coated magnets or flower seeds. When okay. applied, they provide a form of ear acupressure, uh, which relieve anxiety. Okay. Uh, so anyway, I think, I think this, that's pretty clear uh, in terms of the kinds of things you need to be doing. This is a skill that you need to develop. Observing yeah. trends and recognizing a trend, these are people always say, Well, how do you do that? Like, just and I, I have to say, Well, you just have to practice it and you have to put yourself in positions where you're able to notice them, right? And have Would those you, kinds of you, conversations. And, and uh, I'm getting the sense that if you were given the choice between being the best in the world at something that not many people cared about versus being mediocre at something that people desperately needed, you mm -hmm. would choose the latter. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the, I mean, I get into debates about this all the time because <laughs> some people disagree with me, but the, the demand, the amount of demand, the, 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 the strength of that pull, like people are pulling for something until you've felt that, like there's a big difference between like Adam Wathen and Steve Shoger. They start releasing these blog posts about refactoring UIs, and all of a sudden they can feel this pull. People are so hungry for it. It's like they just desperately want it. It's like the toilet paper industry right now. Like people are just pulling on that. There's so much magnetism there. And the more sustained magnetism, the better. Now, some, some of these things are just blips. They go up and they go down, right? Like toilet paper maybe is not, not as... Uh, yeah, sustainable. Sustainable. But oh, let's hope not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but some of these things will be sustained for months or years. And those are the kinds of things you want to evaluate. So, I mean, again, email newsletter platforms have doing, been doing pretty well since the 90s, right? Like, it's just people always kind of need it. It has a sustained market pull. And uh, in fact, those platforms do even better in crises because 
people need <laughs> Delta needs to send out their their uh, <laughs> their emails, right? Right, to tell you about all the amazing things they have in store. Exactly. So, uh, I think this is something to consider. Uh, I'm still subscribing to some content plays, like uh, Nathan Bashes has a. A newsletter on Substack called Divinations. It's all about strategy, like uh, startup strategy. And I'm, I'm like, I need somebody who's thinking about strategy all the time in my inbox. And so I pay him for that. Uh, I still pay for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. You mm. know, I'm anxious right now. Provocative title. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally, totally provocative. But you know, I'm, I'm. I'm going to keep paying for that because that's something I need, especially in times of crisis. Um, and it's pretty, I mean, you browse Twitter, Facebook, or listen to any friend on a phone call. Like, hey, how'd you sleep last night? Sleep is a huge one. If if you have any products or insights into sleep, that is not a bad category to go into. There is going to be a sustained market pull in that and people needing better sleep because of all the things we're doing to ourselves with these devices in our hand yeah. at midnight before we go to bed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, Justin, I hope that's helpful. No, that's that's incredibly helpful. Um, anything that we didn't get to that might be on people's minds right now? We've, we've talked about how scary this all is. We've talked about supporting one another. We've talked about getting your financial health in order. Um, maybe we didn't talk about getting your health health in order, but mm -hmm. stress, lack of sleep, all that kind of stuff is so hard on your immune system. And right yeah. now you want to be as healthy as possible. Yeah. So there are other reasons besides financial and economic ones to stay as healthy as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, it does help to do something or multiple things every day. So go for a walk every day and write every day or turn on your voice memos in your phone and just talk. Go, okay, hey, you know, it's April 8th and today I'm feeling really, you know, exasperated because it, you just kind of let it out. And I think those routines are going to serve folks really well. And I also do want to give folks encouragement to say there are going to be opportunities for business people. If you are a solopreneur, if you are a small startup, you actually are going to be able to ride this out way better than someone who has 10 employees or someone who has 50 or 100 or 1,000. You are, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, More nimble, agile. You're nimble, yes. You're nimble. And so... That is a strength in your corner. And I would be thinking right now about, okay, this might be, this might last a while. This might be a recession that lasts, who knows? But even in a recession, there are opportunities, especially for small organizations that have very low burn rate. And yeah. I know that individually in your own house, you might be like, oh, our burn rate is so high. Like it costs us whatever, you know, I have four kids. It costs us probably about $10,000 a month at the very least to live. But 
your burn rate, $10,000 a month or $6,000 a month or $5,000 a month or whatever it is, is so low compared to <laughs> so many other organizations. And, and also your ability to spot and take mm-hmm. advantage of trends and opportunities that are going to come up are so much greater. Exactly. Exactly. So if, if, you're, if your business was previously uh, all Facebook ads, there's some trends going on. <laughs> Facebook ads are way down. Way less businesses are, people, businesses are cut, like Noah Kagan said, they cut like uh, uh, everything, they cut it by 70% or something. Like Really? Like Facebook ads? Facebook ads. So if you were previously, you know, helping people um, with Facebook ads, you have two options. You can either get out of Facebook ads and go, okay, where those businesses that were spending money on Facebook ads, how can I help them now? Right. And, um, or you could look for the businesses that are advertising right now and want to take advantage of the lower prices, right? You might have to change your messaging. You might have to change your target. And, I, those are both good strategies, but don't ignore the trend. The trend is there. Like, don't just (laughs) dig in your heels and go, no, I'm, I'm the Facebook ads person. And you come to me for Facebook ads and that's it. No, you might have to transition and go, you know what? Reddit ads are a steal right now. I just, I just spent a bunch of money on Reddit ads for transistor. They're a steal right now. They're so like cheap. And, but I don't like I don't really know what's the best way to like market to Reddit folks and how can I optimize that? Well, if you've been an ads person for the past five years, that might be your category. So these are the ways I think people need to be thinking. And um, maybe actually what we could do for people that are in Fizzle, we should start a thread on this. If people have questions about this, I'm happy to answer them in that thread. If they want to know like, okay, I was, I was, offering people art supplies, what should I do? I think we can get a community response to this and go, okay, well, here's some things I w- I'm seeing that you should be thinking about. So that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, Justin, thank you so much. And, and just in case people didn't get it, Justin Jackson is founder of Transistor.fm. If you are looking to host a podcast or you are dissatisfied with your current podcasting platform, check out Transistor. And um, also for anybody who hasn't been inside Fizzle and would like to chat with Justin, we have a a free month or a $1 trial for a month. I'm not sure what's running right now, but head over to fizzle.co, join us inside, and um, we will start this thread. This will be going live uh, second week of April, I believe. And um, we'd love to chat about what you've been working on and, and where Justin thinks you might be able to go next. I know you have your finger on the pulse of a lot of trends, Justin. Just mm-hmm. you mentioned so many newsletters. Mm-hmm. That's another great tip for people who are looking for ideas. Just find smart people on other platforms. There are smart people out there on Twitter um, with their own newsletters. A lot of them you don't even have to pay for. And subscribe. Justin's is a newsletter that I would recommend as well. Uh, he has, um, you can find him over at justinjackson.ca. Is That's that right? right? Yeah. And um, Justin's newsletter goes out usually every week, mm-hmm. and um, he's always got something interesting to say about entrepreneurship. Anything else, Justin? No, this is great. This is cathartic for me. It's just, it's good 
you're one of those people online that are uh, that keep me grounded. <laughs> and so, but part of this don't was, panic anybody. Yeah, it's part, all going to be fine. Part of this was just me wanting to get on the line with you. I always appreciate your sensibility. So thanks for likewise. Thanks for letting me be on here. Likewise, uh, thanks for being so open and and honest and vulnerable. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, You can find show notes to this episode and every other over at fizzleshow.co. And until next time, I'm Corbett Barr, and thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. Fizzle.